great Kyle Emanuel. And welcome on in, everybody. Our number two on a Tuesday edition of The Insiders here on Bison 1660 is always brought to you by Proceed. If you need seed, think Proceed online at Proceed.net. I also want to make sure we mention the Bison Road Tour is live on our website. I've heard many people reaching out to me or on our, our Facebook page about what are the tour stops this year for the Bison Road Tour. Those are on our website, bison 1660 com And the uh, Bison Road Tour brought to you by the Bridges Apartments. Make college living easy. Lease now and get one month free, all-inclusive pricing, internet, cable, electric, water. Everything is included in your monthly lease. Tour the Bridges near NDSU today or online at BridgesND.com. And all of our tour stops will have NDSU yard signs, we'll have football tickets, we'll have different Bison swag to give away. You can watch the show live. Some are at different restaurants around town. So, again, go to our website, Bison1660.com. There's a rotating banner. One of them says Bison Road Tour. Click on that one, and you can find all the stops there for you. Basically, I think we got 15 of them between the uh, next week, so end of August, and throughout the month of September. But right now, let's go to the Epic Companies Hotline for another first-time guest joining us. It's the gone, the big one, Bill Connolly of ESPN, staff writer for them, and a man that has uh, definitely covered college football for quite a while. Wrote a great article that I saw over the weekend on the FCS, and it includes something on NDSU as well. Bill, nice enough to join us right now. Uh, great to have you on here, sir. Appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Yeah, nice to have you with us. I saw the article over the weekend, and I thought, let's try and see if we can have this guy on, because this is something that our fan base is definitely going to be intrigued about, just basically off of the headline of it. If I had just read the headline and not the article, I still would have been intrigued, because James Madison's jump, North Dakota State's reign, and the FBS versus FCS conundrum. Without diving into specifics, because we will do that in a little bit, why the article, what was the, the thought behind it, and can you give us just a, a broad sense of, uh, of what it was supposed to be about? Well, honestly, I think, you know, as you know, JMU announces their move was like last October, early November, that kind of period, um, you know, going to the FCS playoffs and, and, you know, just interacting with people on Twitter, basically, it became very, very apparent that JMU fans were super, super psyched about signing up for a potential, you know, six and six records for a while. Uh, while, in the, while NDSU fans, while their team was winning the, uh, uh, you know, FCS again, they were kind of frustrated with the fact that attendance was going down and it just kind of seemed like everybody was a little bit bored. And, and that's Twitter, that's social media. But uh, it was very obvious in talking to everybody at JMU as well. I mean, this is a very exciting time for them, even though they're clearly signing up for a harder schedule and more losses. Um, it, it just kind of worked out very perfectly for them in terms of geography and timing and everything else. And I, you know, I wanted the piece to be primarily about JMU, but there's, you know, there's, you had to kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room, and that's the fact that FCS is kind of weird right now, where, you know, the champion's kind of bored and the, the roster's changing a little bit. And, uh, you know, w- with all the changes coming at the top level of the sport as well, it's just kind of an odd time in general. Yeah, I mean, you got JMU, Jacksonville State, Sam Houston as well that are moving up, and that's a lot of the top of, of the FCS, but the one that, is obviously staying is NDSU and they've been as top as you can get the top of the mountain in the FCS here for quite a while. You dove into a whole bunch of things. I know at the beginning, you kind of went through the rivalry between NDSU and, and JMU, which our fans, and they love that. It's been a great kind of additional rivalry outside of conference, which is always interesting when you have an, an out of conference rival that you don't necessarily see every year. 
But you, you dove into a lot of stuff on, on why GMU made the move and, and why they thought it was a good time. Uh, Jeff Bourne, their athletic director, giving you some quotes as well. I'll just read a couple of them here and then get your thoughts. Uh, Bor- Jeff Bourne saying, the move is something we had always prepared for. It strategically felt like there would be a point in time when an opportunity would come along that made good sense to the university, and they had built up infrastructure and done things right to, to, to basically take advantage of this opportunity when Texas and and Oklahoma decided to make the move to the SEC. We were all watching, what's the trickle-down effect? What's, where's it going to end? It always ends with a group of five, and then you, you end up getting some FCS teams that have to move up or end up getting invited to move up there as well. Uh, what did you take away from your conversation with, with Jeff Bourne and, and his thoughts of why JMU wanted to make the move at this point? Yeah, I mean, it really is a timing thing. I think that was something that, you know, when we talk about these things, you know, it's easy to, to say JMU sure seems, you know, it seems like they're ready for a move, but they've been kind of ready for a while. Uh, NDSU, you know, if they make some calls tomorrow, they could probably, you know, work out some pretty decent, uh, you know, I assume an invitation would come if they wanted it to, but it has to be the right one at the right time. And, and that was something that, you know, the Sun Belt wasn't looking to expand right now. And the Sun Belt especially wasn't looking to expand while taking on three Conference USA teams, the, the conference that rated them a decade ago. Um, and, and just the energy around the Sun Belt Conference right now, um, it, it proved kind of perfect. But, you know, they, he, Jeff Bourne said, you know, they, they started looking into this 10 years ago. It was just, you know, they knew they had to build up their infrastructure. They had to improve some of their facilities and, and kind of improve the overall athletic department. And then they had to wait and see what would come and when. And um, it sounded like once, you know, when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving for the SEC, they knew this could be right. This could be our time. And let's see how this plays out. You know, Old Dominion coming aboard too. They they had just kind of started a decent football rivalry with them when ODU moved up. Uh, the fact that they were coming along too, it was all perfect. And, you know, it, it, that we, we've seen it with a lot of FBS teams through the years or FCS teams going to FBS. It's kind of a ready, fire, aim thing. You think you're ready, uh, but you don't necessarily have the infrastructure. You start to fade as you're making the move, and then the, it takes you a while to, to actually do any damage at the FBS level. JMU is about as ready as you're ever going to see. Obviously, NDSU too, would be too. You have to have conference, and you have to have the geography that makes sense too there too, and I'm not sure that actually that's the case right now. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Sometimes the geography is, is something that maybe has been a, a hang-up in years past or opportunities past. Again, Bill Connolly with us of ESPN. What a great piece on JMU, NDSU, and the future of the FCS. He also talked with Kurt Signetti, head coach of JMU, who's – I didn't even know his route. You you dive into kind of some of his backstory, <laughs> his coaching story. I knew he had been with Nick Saban at Alabama, but everything after that before – Elon and, and then JMU is, is quite the story, so I encourage fans to go out there and read that part of it. But uh, his quote in this one says, he was asked about the move to the, the Sun Belt, and he said, I think it was a, a slam dunk. We felt like we had outgrown the CAA a little bit, and we were ready to make that FBS move, and not only in football, but also in other programs. You know, Kurt Signetti, I think, is a great football coach, definitely knows what he's talking about there. But he's always come off to me as someone that has the, that greater picture in mind. It's not even just about football. He almost like he'd be a really good athletic director. He does seem to know of, of how this whole entire athletics department can move up and what was needed when he got there you know, a number of years ago for JMU and how he was going to continue building the program that Mike Houston had kind of started building there. Yeah, I mean, there was no drop-off at all. And, and, you know, the fact that he had come up from D2 and he immediately made something at Elon. I mean, Elon, that, that was a very – low-level CAA program right there. They had not had any success for a while, and they immediately make the playoffs twice. 
Um, you know, that, that proved a lot, the fact that he could make something of what he inherits. And then, you know, he proved, I, I thought even more by, you know, sometimes when you go from, you know, an underdog program to a more well-established one, you, you, you have some issues along the way. And obviously there's been nothing there. They've lost to North Dakota state. They, they lost narrow, a narrow game to West Virginia. They, they had a couple of like one point losses. They've lost five times in three years and uh, they clearly did not drop off. And you know, the depth that he's been able to both maintain and kind of add to, I think overall has been really impressive. That's, you know, North Dakota State, like I wrote it in the piece. There are basically two teams in FCS that could hang with them physically, hang with them in terms of line play. And one of them was James Madison, and they're gone now. Yeah, and that, for a lot of fans, it's, you know, this year, just in terms of the FCS talk, a lot of our fans and even us here on the station, me, myself, have said, kind of feels like NDSU versus the field because you just don't have those, <laughs> those teams right now. There's the Montana schools, Montana and Montana State. South Dakota State's a very good team, but – you have one of those top competitors in JMU leave or trying to find out who's going to now rise up and try and take their spot as somebody out on that part of the country that can be a, a serious title contender. You also talked with Matt Brown of Extra Points. He's been on this station dozens mm. of times, many times, and, and Matt is, is very tied into everything. And, and he's always got very interesting things to say. And one thing he said here is, in many ways, GMU's total athletic department and institution share more in common with many other FBS schools. You look under the hood and you say, yeah, that's more of a peer of App State in many ways. That transition is easier. That's not always the case for schools at the FCS level. I do get a, a, a sense, Bill, when you, you have all this realignment going on and, and teams getting moved up, there are some schools in the FCS that's oh, you're, you're just in the South and it's convenient and you're, you're close right. by. And then there's some schools that's like, no, they can actually compete and they have the budget. They invest enough in football. I think GMU falls in that, that last category of, yeah, it's convenient. They're in a good location, but they can really compete where I don't know every FCS school that's gone up recently has really been able to say so. I think they can compete right away. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, that, that's the thing you notice most in terms of just the overall athletic department as a whole. You know, they built up their facilities Jeff Bourne was talking about how they you know when they it was time to upgrade the basketball facilities they did it with not only FBS but really the power five in mind in terms of you know the access the 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 resources for the students and everything else obviously it's not going to be you know they didn't build it's not Alabama or Kentucky or something but um you know they they clearly had a long-term plan in mind here and and the success they've seen in other sports you know softball last year that's that's Obviously, I, I, I would have to think that they're, they seem more ready than most, not only to compete in football, but just to compete as an athletic department overall. And that, that's, that, it was hard to ignore that. Uh, you know, that's, uh, like you said, there are plenty of recruits in the South. You can have a, a well-coached team uh, you know, that can make the most of, of kind of mid-level FCS facilities and, and do some pretty good things, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to keep it up once you need 85 of those guys and everything else at the next level. But aside from North Dakota State, it's really hard to say that there's a program that is in better that is better prepared overall, top to bottom, uh, to compete when they get there. And so I'll be surprised if they have some sort of major. They might go six and five or something this year, or five and six because the Belt East is really, really tough. Uh, but it's hard to not be pretty optimistic about their shot here. Yeah, and you say that about NDSU and about GMU, knowing that the last time we've seen them, they had 63 scholarships. Like It's a different level than the FBS scholarship limit for FCS to FBS. One more quote from Jeff Bourne, the AD at, at JMU. 
He said, I, I think one of the issues that you have to look at is what does the geographic footprint look like for competition? Yeah. What does it take to get there travel-wise? We felt like the Sun Belt was a great partner. You, you've mentioned, Bill, already, you know, you know, Old Dominion, other schools that are basically in their backyard almost, where they're, they're bus trips. That kind of works. Uh, Jeff Bourne goes on to say, if you're talking to Matt Larson out at NDSU or North Dakota State, what does an FBS league look like for him? That's one of the advantages of being in the East is that we're close to institutions and closer to competition. What makes it more feasible for us to consider or which makes it more feasible for us to consider some options? And, and you laid it out pretty well in the piece, too, of, of you know, F- FBS conferences for NDSU. What are, what are the options out there and, and which ones look the, the most feasible? We've mentioned the Mountain West. You know, that one looks feasible. You have some teams in the, the, the kind of sort of same geographic footprint, but you also have a team out in Hawaii that you have to travel to. Uh, you know, the you know, Conference USA. What is Conference USA? It seems to be falling apart right now. Uh, Sun Belt looks like a good option, but are they really adding anybody? The answer right now would, would seem to be no. And the MAC makes some sense geographically, but then you're talking about midweek football, and what does that do for your fan base? Does that really translate for a fan base that is pretty passionate about the sport? So where do you think NDSU would, would fit best, geog- not geographically, but where do you think they would fit best at the FBS level, and do you really think it is just the geography that it is the the holdback here? Yeah, I mean, I do think geography is the primary thing because, I mean, in theory, Mountain West seems just about perfect. You know, number one, the style of play. There are a lot of tremendous defenses in the Mountain West last year. Offense is not so much, uh, but just a ton of schools that, that had kind of top 50, top 50 defensive rankings in my SP Plus rankings and everything. It seems like a perfect cultural fit, you know, being able to play – you know, not only the kind of the, the Colorado states and Boise states of the world, but Wyoming, just that kind of, co- well, I mean, we, we know what kind of coaching they're getting currently. Uh, it, there, there are a lot of programs that I think would make perfect sense. And then you would just add up the travel. It's not to say it couldn't happen. Uh, obviously, those all those programs are pr- pretty well dispersed and they figure out how to make the travel work and they put a good, pretty good product on the field. But I think for North Dakota State, it's just it's an extra thing that they have to figure out. E- even the MAC, I mean, I, I, in my head, the MAC made perfect geographic sense. And then you realize, I mean, the closest school is northern Illinois. The closest school after that is in, you know, all the others are basically in, uh, you know, Ohio and Michigan, which is okay, but it's not it's not amazing. It's not perfect. You're not, it's not, you know, uh, bordering states or anything. So you, yeah, you add to that the fact that you'd be playing a lot of Wednesday night games and all these other issues. And yeah, that doesn't quite seem right, but yeah, no, it's just, there's no perfect geographic answer here. And and that's that travel piece would change. There would be a lot of change to account for there, even if everything else makes sense. And that's the reason that not the reason, but it is definitely a reason NDSU is at least still here in the spot, and also because hey, you're having success. There, there are a lot of fans. I'll tell you, I bring this subject up on this show. There's a lot of fans that reach out and say, "Why are we moving? Why would we want to move? We keep winning championships. That's not a bad yeah. thing. And why, why do we have to, to stop doing that? I get that, but there are some fans, as you lay out in the piece. You know, apathy. They deal with it at Alabama. Nick Saban's even had to come out and say, "Hey, can we show up for the games and stay for the whole thing? It'd be pretty nice, you know." And that's Alabama of all schools out there. A couple of things off of the article, which, again, was was great. I encourage people to go out there and read that one. But now with the news we heard yesterday of of Oregon, and and now they are initiating conversations with the Big Ten about how they maybe fit into the conference. And typically when you hear that, it's not too far away where there's an announcement that they're going to join the conference. Uh, How do you think that the fallout of that could affect things for NDSU and and college football at large? Yeah, it was hard to – 
it's funny, like with with the really super high level realignment thing, like you know uh, Oklahoma and Texas last year, and UCLA USC this year. I almost, if we hear a rumor about it, I immediately decide it's all it's it's bunk, like it's not real because okay. we don't hear about the big stuff until it happens. It just kind of the day of is when we find out about it, and it's this huge bombshell. So I, I don't know what to make about that Oregon thing. I, I do know that the numbers. Are are kind of I don't want to say they're against Oregon, but they're not necessarily for Oregon or Oregon and Washington. I guess we should say that's usually the the pairing that we're talking about here because it's the numbers that we're talking about with the TV contracts and and everything that's come out lately. Uh, they're so enormous that even adding Oregon and Washington, two of the best brands in the country, Penn State would make less uh, per year by adding them because they just don't bring quite as much to the table. Uh, in terms of media rights. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, if the big 10 decides to make those moves, knowing that the other schools would make slightly less per year, uh, you know, other than Notre Dame, I don't think there's a slam dunk answer here. And I don't know, uh, you know, I think for, for the sport, it's probably better if they don't raid anybody else in the West and the PAC 12 kind of stick together sort of, but I don't know. Like we're, we're in kind of a weird spot right now where only Notre Dame absolutely brings a lot to the table but there are still lots and lots of op- of interesting options on the, uh, you know, out there. I've asked other college football writers this, this question, so I'll ask you. If I gave you a, a timeline of, of five years from right now, would you say it's likely or not likely that there are basically you know a Power 5 breakaway or, or three super conferences out there? Yeah, I think right now, five years especially, I I think the most like, like I'm not extremely confident in any test here, yeah. but I think the most likely scenario is probably Big Ten has 16, SEC has 16, Pac-12 adds a couple schools, you know, and then just kind of repairs things from here. I think that's probably the most likely on the table because of what I said. I don't think Notre Dame has enough reason to leave yet. It sounds like they'll probably have a pretty good deal in place uh, money-wise for themselves. I, I'm not completely sure it makes sense for Oregon and Washington for, or for the Big Ten to add other Western schools. Um, it, it's, yeah, like there are so many scenarios on the table, but I do think the most likely one is that we don't have any more bombshells for a little while here until we get closer to maybe the ACC's grant of rights expiring and yeah. suddenly Clemson, Miami, Florida State, all those things become available. That's, that might be the next big thing. We might be done for a little while, but yeah, I'm not. Don't don't ask me to sign my life away on that one. Yeah, I, I definitely won't because we've said anything <laughs> is literally anything is possible right now. And I, I think I'm right in this. The Big Ten, their current media deal that they just signed will expire before the current ACC media deal. Right. I mean, that's just yeah. another thing that's ridiculous in this entire story. So you got to get a little closer to when that ACC grant of rights is possibly up. Uh, but I think a lot of people think NDSU fits in like a a Power Five. Or sorry, a group of five and top half of FCS kind of combining league. I think that would that's where a lot of fans feel like if you have something like that, that could be a pretty good you know kind of league for the the sport of college football if that were to happen. Yeah, I think I, I do think that I, I'm not convinced that we're going to have some sort of like forty or fifty team top division um, here in five ten years or whatever. I again, I'm not amazingly confident in that, but I do think that among other things. You know, one of the quotes I didn't use from Matt Brown, I've talked to Matt Brown a million times, uh, you know, we, former coworkers. Uh, one of the quotes I, he gave me that I didn't use was basically that, like, you know, Missouri is still going to need to beat somebody. Missouri still, like, the, the bottom half of the SEC, nobody's going to want to pay their coach $8 million a year to go 3-9 and nine every year. And you're going to have to be able to schedule opponents outside of the, that quote-unquote Super League kind of situation. So I do think that an FBS 
could continue. Uh, you know, maybe it's down to 90 teams. Maybe some teams move up and others move down. But I don't think just that kind of 40, 50 team breakaway is the most likely scenario unless, you know, unless Apple decides to pony up, you know, $20 billion a year for, you know, whatever. That that could change things, obviously. Yeah. You throw around money like that, and they have it, and you never know. You know money <laughs> yeah. tends to, and that's kind of what's ru- not ruining, but that's what's changing the landscape of college football as we know it right now. And uh, a man that will be covering it as it continues to change, Bill Conley of ESPN, staff writer for him, nice enough to give us some time. Bill, this was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed the article, loved reading it, and I loved having you on the show today. Thank you. Here we go. Bill Conley, you can follow him.